Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you again for a spoiler-free review, but this time of something that is a bit different because it's a TV show and a TV series, an entire series of a TV show, and a show that we've actually never covered before, generally because I don't really have anyone to talk to about it, but now I do. Because it's going to be exciting to get that girl who was behind me that one time that isn't Jen on this episode to discuss something that Colin won't because he's mean and doesn't like things that go fast. My name is Ben and suck my balls, honey. My name is Casey. Time to go porpoising. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Is that behind people? Wow. And you're not Jen, by the way. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. What What an intro. That yes. one who was behind you that one time. <laughs> Blame Colin. That was a Colin thing. Um, this is your yeah, first time well, on the Oz Network, by the way. So welcome to the show that you don't ooh. listen to. So uh, like most people don't. So uh, how are you feeling right now being on this show? So thrilled. So thrilled. Really big deal to be making such a wide debut exactly on a on a covering a topic you probably never thought you'd also be covering i I just want to clarify i said spoiler free review fuck it it's a spoiler review because again i mean if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it all don't spoil me like i mean if you follow formula one you're probably going to know what happens anyway so um this isn't like you know han solo dying in the force awakens spoiler alert so um, (laughs) have you seen the force awakens me yeah uh, maybe oh okay well then maybe if you oh, haven't well. i just bought it you don't know if you've seen it <laughs> <laughs> oh that one time i woke up and there was a star wars movie on i don't actually know what i was watching but um to drive to survive people who may not know what drive to survive is it's the netflix documentary series on formula one it's been going now for five or so years it's kind of now regarded as the groundbreaking sports documentary series now that drive to survive is a thing every sport wants to do it and we're seeing it in golf and tennis i think they've just announced one for the nfl um i know here in australia uh they've done it with a whole bunch of different organizations and leagues and everything along those lines so it's kind of set the benchmark for sports documentary series and Obviously, Formula One is a sport which I will often mention on this show. The qualifying lap, great show. Haha, <laughs> all the jokes are at that. And we're also doing Rush later this year in terms of an anniversary film. Great Formula One film. I'm obsessed with it too much. But, Casey, just quickly before we talk about this season, you're new to it because you're one of these people that got into the sport. These people. One of these people that got into the sport because of this show. And this is what this show has basically well- done, right? 
Yes, but I also want to clarify because I feel like there's so much kind of bad vibes. I don't know among oh, like don't the defend yourself, your Netflix transplants. No. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched the show because you were pressuring me so hard that Formula One was the best thing ever, and that I really had to watch the show and that I would get really into it, and I resisted for a while and Did eventually you? came. <laughs> A few weeks, yeah. <laughs> and having said that. And then I watched it and I became obsessed. Exactly. So who was right? But in like that so situation? I didn't just jump on the bandwagon because it was right there. I started watching it because a true lifelong Formula One fan was like, I think you'll like this. And this is so that, Well, this is a double edged sword with this show, and obviously we're gonna talk about the season in general, but I mean the positive that has come from this is that Formula One has just blown up in terms of popularity and particularly in your part of the world, if people are Mm -hmm. guessing where's her accent from, is she also in Canada? Now she's one of those Americans that we bag out half the time, but (laughs) in all seriousness, those bloody Americans, uh, that -hmm. is where Formula One has always struggled to have a stranglehold in that. That's always been the market that Formula One has tried to crack. It's, It's America because when it comes to motorsport in America, it's really NASCAR or nothing. I mean, even IndyCar doesn't really get the publicity that it used to. Yeah. So it's it's NASCAR, and I think I don't correct me if I'm wrong. It's still the number one or number two most um, watched sport in terms of television viewers in the US, ahead of baseball, <laughs> basketball, and hockey. Like it's it's that or NFL. It's, Probably it's, it's up there basically. And NASCAR's got huge television numbers, so it's always been tricky for Formula One to get that imprint in America. But this has kind of done that. The bit of background now heading into this year's Formula One season that's about to start at the time of this recording is there'll be three Grand Prix in the United States this year for the first ever time that we've had that. We've had two previously in the same year, but not to have three, that's unheard of. And it's even in this day and age of Formula One where sort of traditional races in Europe are moving elsewhere, to have three in America, you'd assume you're going to have three in Saudi Arabia or or three in Abu Dhabi, something like that. But this is huge. So it's, it's really taken the sport off. But the double-edged sword of that is that you've got lifelong fans like myself who, while I enjoy Drive to Survive, it's a great insight into the sport and it definitely gives you a behind-the-scenes element that I've always wanted to see. It also comes at a cost in that it's very fake, in that it's very produced in a way to make things not look a certain way or they, they it's avoid... It's supposed to make it interesting it's for the entertainment. people who have never... Exactly. Seen- before it's like got, that's the whole point it's like that reality tv lens like you know obviously our background in the show is covering survivor and and obviously survivor is edited to so show things a certain way that's how it works and i think that is i know a lot of formula one fans who flat out refuse to watch Drive to survive because they watch the season of it and are like nah that's just garbage it's too fake that's not how it is Obviously, famously, Max Verstappen. And people who don't know who Max Verstappen is, the current reigning two-time world champion, he famously refused to be part of this until only recently because he came out and said, like, no, this is too fake. You're making things up. This isn't real. So it is also that double-edged sword. And also, too, and this is not me trying to be mean to people like you or other people who are Netflix transplants to the sport. You sort of will get people who, you know, Grand Prix are selling out all over the world. It's fantastic for viewership. But at the same time, the bad side of that is... Ticket prices go up. The The event organizers are making things completely ridiculous in how you get tickets. The amount of issues people are having right now getting to events because of how this has expanded. And then you will get fans who go to Grand Prix who are expecting it to be Drive to Survive 
And then they're going to sit there for 58 laps with no overtaking, no action, no anything at all. It's a boring as batshit race, which happens in this sport, and they get pissed off. So there's a whole element to this. Um, that's just a bit of a background on Drive to Survive because I think obviously a lot of our audience don't watch this show. They don't know about it. They hear, oh, that stupid co-host Ben doesn't shut up about Formula 1. Get over Formula 1, Ben. It's dumb. But there's that level of it, which I want to ask you before we talk about this season. You've just said how you got into it, and then I sort of sold mm-hmm. this. But you also do watch the races, so you yeah. Which and I will say, like watching. I think I. I don't remember when I started watching it with you last year, but it was fairly early on in the season. I think it was or about round four, round five. I think you. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Like April. Yeah. Yeah. So watched most of last season as it happened and i think having actually now watched the full formula one season and then watching the drive to survive essential like recap of it i have a fully different like opinion of the show kind of after actually watching that's a good point grand prix yeah, and- that's i mean that's a solid point actually because that's one way i didn't actually look about it is that yeah people who are drawn to the sport who then watch it will then watch the next season after having watched the season, you know, because like you obviously went into the first four seasons not knowing what happened and you're seeing that all fresh, whereas obviously I go into every season having watched every race from start to finish knowing everything that happens. So, um, Mm -hmm. but the question I ask on that, like my point is of how, yeah, some people might be a bit not confused, but a bit like you watch Formula One for real and again, it's not so flashy, flashy, flashy. Did you find that jarring? Do you find that interesting? Or do you think that background knowledge of watching Drive to Survive makes it more interesting when you can actually sort of sit down and watch this sport for what it is? It isn't all flash and pizzazz. Yeah, I think it makes it more interesting just to, like, watch the sport because mostly, I know it's not all flash and pizzazz, but I feel like it lets you get to know the drivers better. And so I feel like I've become more of a dedicated fan of like certain drivers because of kind of their personality and just seeing them more interacting behind the scenes. First, when you're watching the Grand Prix, you pretty much just see them like get in the car, put the helmet on and then do a whole bunch of laps. Yeah. And like there's maybe an interview at the end with the podium winners, but like that's still not giving the full like glimpse into who these like drivers are. And I think that's the really fascinating part because like you said, some of the races, like, yeah, they're just going around in circles for 58 laps. And sometimes there's not a whole lot of excitement. And, and I think it's kind of understanding the team dynamics and who the individual drivers are and who the um, principals are that kind of makes me keep tuning in to like the next races and things. Which anything like this will make bigger names out of certain people that in general would not be big names. And look, having grown up with this sport, you know, I've watched this sport for 30 years nearly pretty much my entire life. You know, a lot of enigma around Formula One was always this kind of like exclusivity of it. It was prestigious. You know, it had this sort of element of awe around it. You know, a lot of comparisons used to be that you can go to a NASCAR race and you can pay an extra 10, 20 bucks, whatever it is on a ticket. You can go into the paddock. You can meet the drivers. They're easily accessible. They're just everyday drivers. Same here with our local series, the supercars, whereas Formula One, it was like, it was very exclusive. You know, you could 
very rarely meet a driver. Like growing up, you know, when I went to my first Grand Prix as the biggest Michael Schumacher fanboy on the planet, the closest I got was him driving past on a car waving at the crowd. Like there was no way I could get any closer than that. So that was kind of that enigma. So I think it's kind of, it's fascinating now to see that it's a lot more accessible. I think the sport itself has done itself a really good service in terms of the social media and kind of things like that. But that's the world we live in. Even if we didn't have Drive to Survive, these drivers are on social media. They're doing things like that podcast, all these kind of things that nobody would be doing 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, and, but that's the world of sport in general. Like, you know, we're seeing that with all of these things, which makes it unique. And I think it does highlight someone like a Gunther Steiner and, and, you know, <laughs> people like that who he's been around for a long time. I remember back when he was at Red Bull and he was being talked about, you know, back in the early two thousands and things like that. I, I would just put Daniel Ricciardo in that mix too, but I would always argue Daniel Ricciardo was always a very big name and not just being an Australian, even outside of Australia, he was always a very popular figure before Drive to Survive. And that's just always, this has just highlighted him a little bit more. So, you know, there are others that kind of come to light, but it is just interesting to kind of see it, even though a lot of it's fabri- fabricated, like, you know, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner have always been very outspoken yeah. individuals who have kind of been there. And it's just kind of interesting to see that. But, um, I mean, let's get into the season, I think, because I, 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 you kind of watched this before I did and you were like, oh, I'm watching, I want, you know, your opinion to that. I mean, you binge watched all of these, like obviously the first four last year whereas I've been watching them year to year. I wasn't a big fan of last season. I think season four was by far the weakest of Drive to Survive. It just, you know, in a very exciting championship year that was 2021, it, it didn't really kind of portray that. And if I'm just being flat out honest right now, speaking of general opinions, I think this is an improvement on last year, but I also don't think this matches the first three seasons. I still think there's a lot missing from this that the first three seasons had. So, but I... It's an improvement on last year. That would, is what I would say. I don't know what your kind of vibes was on this season. I mean, I feel like it's hard for me to say because I watched season four just before I then started watching the actual races. So for me, not knowing kind of what the outcome of that season was going to be, and they really did play up the whole Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, who's going to win it up until like the very last episode. So I feel like I was hooked just from wanting to see who won the season. Mm. But then this year, like I knew coming into it who won, I kind of knew the outcome of all the races. I knew the people who won for the first time. I knew kind of the big crashes that happened. So like there wasn't that same level of anticipation with each episode. Whereas season four I was still kind of in the dark and every episode it was revealing something new about the season to me so I get that yeah and I think like that I I would love like I joked to Colin about him watching this but I would love for him to kind of see it with like no knowledge because that's why like when say you watched Schumacher with me and and I don't know if Colin ended up watching that like again as I always said I did the solo review of that and my biggest thing was look I know everything there is to know excuse me about this man so all of this is going to be not really news to me, but I loved how it was put together. Whereas somebody who doesn't know anything about him, how do they portray it? And you obviously had your thoughts on that when we watched it. But I think that, you know, and you kind of pointed out to me, I think in a message that there are certain things that like, oh, you said like, oh, there were things that were missing that, that we should have seen. And I think that's always my thing that I always get out of any yeah. drive to survive because, you know, I've every year they release the official review of the season, which is literally an A to Z 
of, hey, this was the Bahrain Grand Prix. This happened on lap seven. This happened on lap whatever. Max Verstappen won. This is a championship. Let's move on. Now, I could do a whole fucking series on how those official reviews have gone to shit in the last 10 years when they used to be absolutely fucking incredible in the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, still to this day, one of my favorite things I can put on and watch is the four-hour review of the 2002 Formula One season. It is incredible. It is so entertaining, and the insight they put in it is amazing. Whereas now, it's literally paint by numbers. So if you do want that genuine order of this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what's happening next, you watch the reviews. Whereas this, it's mm-hmm. never been linear. It's And that's I think that was yeah. jarring when I first started watching Drive to Survive when they first aired it. You're thinking it's a linear progression. But my biggest issue, I think, and we can talk about what you maybe thought was missing, is the first three seasons to me, I felt covered a lot more of the grid and a lot more stories and this is the drive to survive issue as the longer this goes on and you get your Steiners, your Horners, your Wolves, your Ricardos, these people who are the drawing the fandom, they're focusing more on them. And so I agree. We missed out on so much like this season. Where mm-hmm. was where was the Bottas episode? He spent all that time at Mercedes. He got demoted to Alfa Romeo essentially. He became a man reborn the way he was. I wanted a Bottas episode. You, you know, I I, I wanted the the Mick Schumacher episode to not be such a dick to the poor kid because I think that complaint and I'm yeah I'm biased I'm a Schumacher fanboy but I've felt that was just really you know sort of mean to him in the way they kind of did that I, I even I thought Verstappen and Hamilton were shortchanged because Hamilton's redemption should have like he had one quote in this season about oh I want to get the title back that was stolen from me well where was his like redemption I want to and Verstappen coming back to it. For a guy that didn't want to be in it for three seasons, he was barely kind of shown. So there's a few that come to mind, but, I mean, what's your Mm -hmm. thoughts on what we were missing? I mean, yeah, no, I fully agree. Like, some of the standout stories I remember from the earlier seasons were, like, they covered Williams, and they covered, like, the bottom of the grid. It really was everyone. And, like, I mean... Alex Albon was barely in the Where was Albon? Albon's similar to Bottas. The guy was out of the sport yeah. for a year, was dumped, and they covered all of that back during, what, season three. So where was yeah. his redemption arc at Williams? Exactly. And also, I mean, I know you're a Canada fanboy, but, like, Latifi wasn't mentioned well, at all. But like, well, that, can I just, I just it, can I jump in just really quickly with that? Because the big frustration I have is literally every episode is this driver's under pressure. Will they keep their seat? And the Perez one was so overdone. We knew, like, he was, yeah. like, that was just bullshit. But, like, same with Le- Yuki Le- Sonoda. Like, I felt like that didn't need a whole episode. Sonoda's, yeah, Sonoda's interesting just because he's entertaining and a unique character, but you're right. I think, but, like, Latifi, again, I'm a Canada fanboy, of course, but I think that would have been really interesting around Latifi because, you know, Perez signed that contract so early in the season. He wasn't under threat. Mick, yes, you could argue, but I still feel. They just completely ignored the second half of the season that he had. And yeah, where he actually, he like, stabled out. And yeah. Whereas, but Latifi, Latifi would have been a, a good one. He was never featured in any of his three seasons. I think he had one little soundbite. Stroll at least got sort of a sort of a half episode a couple of seasons ago. But Yeah, and that was mostly on Daddy Stroll. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's – I'm glad you mentioned Albon as well because I think that, yeah, he – for sure was ripped off and he's a popular figure in the paddock. He's, 
you know, sort of the, the, the bromance trio of him, Norris and Russell has always been kind of sold out there because, yeah, he's he races for Thailand, but he's, you know, born and raised in the UK, Alex Albon. He just decided to sort of go under his uh, mother's heritage and race for Thailand. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it just... Do you think do you think that takes away from it? Like, are you getting sort of sick of like Steiner's great? Of course he is, but I mean, I'd argue we didn't even really have a Daniel Ricciardo episode. I mean, that's actually another one actually that I was going to bring up. You would think that fighting for his seat, you've got this popular figure in Daniel Ricciardo. I was actually surprised we didn't sort of get a full episode based on his struggles. Yeah, it was kind of overshadowed by all of the Oscar Piastri like yeah drama, but yeah. I agree that it didn't feel as like truly comprehensive this Mm. year. And I mean, yeah, like Sebastian Vettel's retirement, all it got was like a one little clip of Checo, like reacting to the video. And then that was it. Like, how is there not a whole episode on like Vettel's whole career? And like, they didn't show him at the end of the season when he got to do his like special moment like where was that i yeah completely glad you brought that up because that was another one too i mean look i get it i mean in hindsight you see on paper there's 10 episodes to me it should be an episode on every team that is just and we kind of got that in those first few seasons you know i know sort of kimmy didn't really get a whole lot in those early seasons and you know i don't think we really focused too much on sauber and alfa romeo but there were still parts to it but you mentioned like we had the williams episode and Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of that, a lot of people would argue, well, look, Ben, the first season, Mercedes and Ferrari famously refused to be part of it. So that's why they weren't featured at all in the first season. But I still think there's like an element. It, you're not going to get this reference, but it, it reminds me of Australian Survivor. You've got 24 episodes with 24 cast members. Why are they like a quarter of the cast who are not getting any airtime? It doesn't make sense to me. I get the entertainment factor. There are more people who are more entertaining than other people, but there needs to be a spread. This is what a lot of people watch these shows for. You know, like if you're an Alfa Romeo fan, a Williams fan watching this, a, a, a Racing Point fan, I don't know, Racing Point, Aston Martin, Ben, God, where am I going back? You're, you're getting shortchanged with it. You're not getting those episodes, I feel. Um, and like there were some episodes in this season that I like the Piastri stuff. Yeah, like I'm glad they covered it, but that's where it just kind of to me borders into the fakedom. Like, Having it was them, all for the drama. Yeah. And Piastri, like, somebody is a proud Aussie who will go for any Aussie no matter what, who was a bit sceptical on the kid in terms of his personality and likability. I don't think Drive to Survive really sold him as a very likable person, did it? Like, I mean, the kid's no. talented. He's a great driver, and I'm sure he's going to do well. But there was just something about him that just didn't sell him really too well if you're meant to be out there going, like, I like this guy. Like, no, he's a bit – I don't know. I don't know how you feel about him. <laughs> well, I mean, especially after – having Daniel Ricardo as yeah. like even Mark Webber who gets it Mark yeah. Webber gets an appearance. He's um his manager that you see, I've told you about him before. He was the Aussie driver before Ricardo, Vettel's teammate, you know, very famous guy here. And he was always, you know, grumpy one day, happy the next. But I, I still feel Webber's like likable at least, right? I just don't know if Piastri's likable. Yeah. He didn't seem to have much personality at all. No. Like that's just a thing with him. It's yeah, it's it's strangeness. But what were some of the positives? Like, I've got to say, um, <laughs> as much as I'm so glad that Mattia Bonotto, former Ferrari principal, got the sack, um, the opening of the first episode of him driving around with <laughs> Steiner a in a little Fiat in the wine country was 
hilarious. Um, I kind of liked that, and that was that was a good episode. I liked the fortunes of sort of showing Ferrari and Haas bouncing back. Actually, that's another thing that I feel they did not they underplay back to the Verstappen bit. And you know, I'm not a huge Verstappen fan, but he had a record breaking season. He won the most races ever in the history of the sport dominated and again they try to sell this as like oh it's going to be a close battle after like five rounds it was not a close battle it was a very one-sided season so i feel like they underplayed verstappen's dominance which i feel short change for max but anyway the first episode was great um i mean obviously i loved the mick episode that we got the mick focus i sort of liked you know seeing karina there and seeing him training and things along those lines the references to his dad i fucking love that i've seen that interview before but with uh, Michael and Yoss talking about their sons racing. Like, it's just, you know, and that actually made me like Max a lot because I don't think I've really seen Max talk a lot about those days because I, I knew, like, it was famous that Yoss was happening and Michael Schumacher were very good friends back in the day. Um, but also, like, the episode with the team principals yelling at each other. Yeah, it was a bit fake. I, I think Toto was living up to the cameras, but that was a pretty solid episode. And also the episode when uh, Red Bull were being accused of cheating and Horner approached Bonotto on the grid. It was like, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I do not appreciate what you're saying. But I was like, well, are you feeling guilty? Like, I kind of like that. But, I mean, they were some highlights. I thought they were sort of good points. And the Yugi Sonoda. I actually really, like, Sonoda's just a I mean, little shit of a I guy. I enjoyed, but- yeah. I think I mostly, like, just enjoyed the glimpses of, like, the personalities, right? So, yeah, like, getting to know some of the drivers a bit better. Like, Yuki Sonoda's whole kind of personality fighting in the like, car yeah, like uh, i don't think i've ever really heard him like do much talking or anything yeah. so like made me like actually- gasly more actually too and like that sort of that almost fatherly figure that gasly was to sonoda and how he was worried about him like you know i've never disliked pierre gasly pierre gasly um <laughs> but i i've never sort of Think he's, he's, I think he's a better driver than Ocon. Don't get me started on Ocon. But um, it just, I liked that relationship that we saw between the pair. Of them. And I've got to say, I'm not a Fernando Alonso fan, but I thoroughly enjoyed him being like, I'm the villain. Like, fuck you all. And, yes. and the, the sequence with him and um, Tathmau about when he's like, oh, yeah, I'll sign tomorrow. You, you'll hear about it. And then, because there was a, <laughs> there's a very, one of my like funniest underrated Formula One moments of all time. And without boring everyone with the details and going into the background, the 2007 season was a very famous season. That was Hamilton's first season. He was Alonso's teammate at McLaren and it was, you know, bitter infighting. They fucking hated each other. And there was this famous, the Hungarian Grand Prix, Alonso famously blocked Hamilton from setting a lap. Basically, he held him up in the pits for qualifying um, it was a very famous moment. And there's this scene on the official review where you've got the then team principal, Ron Dennis and McLaren, basically going like, Fernando, come here. We've got to talk. And he's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I go through the garage. I go here. And he's like running away from Ron Dennis. Ron Dennis is like fucking fuming at him. And Alonso is just like, fuck you. I'm going this way. Like hilarious. So I liked seeing this from Alonso kind of just that I'm the villain. Like who cares? <laughs> like funny mm-hmm. that way. But uh, any anything else that I haven't mentioned uh, outside of what you've mentioned as well? I mean, I... Also, even though, like, it was one of the very first things, I just liked when they were, like, revealing the cars and you had mm. the drivers, like, mingling and yeah. reacting to all of the other team's cars. Like, I think it's just so interesting. Russell saying their car how- looked bad? Or everyone saying that <laughs> Russell's car looked bad? I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, it's like how they all interact just on the grid kind of, judging the cars that they have like no control over and they're just showing up to drive but like they all have lots of opinions and like their little moments of 
kind of like trash talking things about each other's cars like i've always liked that and that's the part i used to love as a kid and and the one actually i was really disappointed there wasn't footage of like their dinner that they had for vettel at abu dhabi the famous sort of you know all 20 of them went out for dinner um which you know a lot of xf1 drivers were saying like it would have never done that back in our day. Like we're not all hanging out. And obviously I think we're in a different generation now where, you know, uh, pretty much the entire grid are all on board. I mean, you know, being formula one geeked and more, it's people listening to this don't care about it, but like, you know, Gasly and Ocon are teammates issue. They hate each other. And yet apparently they've like, you know, solved that. I don't agree with that fully. Wait till the racing this year, but um, yeah. So I, I like that too. I really kind of always liked that. And so what was it the first episode? Was it um, Lando Norris having a girlfriend in the car and he just kind of sounded yeah. sad. He was like, oh, I've got a girlfriend now. Like it didn't really seem like he was too focused. Lando Norris just does not seem like a type of guy who's boyfriend material. Like he's just such like a, like he's fun. He's just the gamer guy sitting around and good to eat. Good for him. But I don't know. There's just like George Russell was it last season. We saw his girlfriend. It's like, yeah, okay. George Russell is a bit sort of a proper Englishman. I know Norris is fucking loaded. I know his dad's one of the richest guys I mean, in England. <laughs> but like, he just seems like just that, like you can hang out with. That Lando. makes him boyfriend material. Well, there you for go for people. you, right? Well, you're you're loving the <laughs> the the Claire and Sign stuff, of course. You you know. I am. I love them. I mean, I think I'm a Signs fan girl. I mean, I love Leclerc, but just I don't know. There's something about Signs. Yeah, the Latino energy, maybe. <laughs> I just... I love that line. <laughs> as a Ferrari fan, though, I think, like, this, his win, I felt, was a bit under... And they didn't have no Russell win episode as well. That yeah, was a bit of a that, was, that was also something I felt was missing. There were several first-time winners this past season. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, Signs was just, like, glossed over, and it was more of a point that Leclerc didn't win and that he got fucked over in the strategy, which like is true. But then they showed like, that a lot. I like, the, like signs, yeah. like that was a huge win for him. And it was so exciting. The thing that, and uh, then yeah, Russell too. Yeah. I mean, they kind of, they just, you know, briefly showed that it was interesting sort of the end, how they had a like next season on drive survive. And obviously they're, you know, overhyping. I mean, Vegas. it was all Vegas promo. Which I get it. I, I do get it. But the thing that I found like interesting, because I think they obviously probably would have stopped filming around about the time Bernardo got sacked and Vasil came in. But I did like that little moment where you had um, Vasil sitting in the chair. It's like, do you think you look good in red? And he's like, yes. Um, but I, I fucking love the Hulkenberg, um, Grosjean. Ah, sorry, Grosjean, I'm going back to date. Hulkenberg and Magnuson part. Because again, the, my opening quote, the very famous moment between those two was Hulkenberg approaching him in a, a paddock a couple of seasons ago, like you are the most unsporting driver on the grid. And Kevin Magnussen just simply turns around and goes, suck my balls, honey. So um, basically to have them reliving that quote um, was absolutely hilarious. But um, I think, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Drive Survive, um, I mean, it, it, it is a show you can pick up at any season. I don't think you need to watch this chronologically. If it just pops up on your new to Netflix and you want to watch it, you could easily start with season five and get a vibe of it. Yeah. But I would thoroughly recommend starting from the beginning just because I do think like the first three seasons are where this show is at its best. Um, and I and think the I last think two also, have dropped off a little so, bit, but yeah. Yeah. And also just so many of the drivers have been around since like those early seasons. So yeah. you've seen a lot of their progression to where they are now mm -hmm. and like their team switches and advancing in their own careers. So I think it 
lends a lot of context as well to who is currently on the grid and who to kind of keep an eye on for this upcoming season. Yeah, exactly. But, so, I mean, Logan Sargent got a little bit of a nod at the end there too, Mr. America. So um, that was good. And, and we're recording this at the time, literally the the opening day of the season. Practice starts today, the day when we'll release this on the same day. So, uh, you know, maybe you can binge Drive to Survive in a night before Sunday in terms of the actual race day and you can watch the opening round in, in Bahrain for the 2023 season. Now, Casey, I don't know if you're overly familiar with our um, rating system on this show. So basically... No. We have a three-tier rating system to give your thoughts on what you thought of this. So if you loved it, you absolutely thought this was amazing, you would, you know, watch this again. It's called Buy It. If you were like, that was fine, I would maybe watch it again, but I wouldn't go out of my way. It's a middle tier. It's a rent it. And if you thought, shit, nah, fuck it, screw it, go away, get in the bin with Taylor Swift, you would bin it. (laughs) So um, would you buy this, rent it, or bin it? I think buy it. I think it really got me hyped for the upcoming season. So I'm very excited to, this will be my first kind of opening race of a Formula One season. Will be. Because I jumped in a couple weeks into it last year. So watching this, getting to relive and kind of recap the previous season and now jumping into it, I think it's so worth it. Look, I was teetering on what I would do with it. Um, I think I'm going to buy it. I, I'd say a low buy. Just I, Again, it's not the highs of those first three seasons and kind of as a lifelong fan, I still have my issues with it, but it's still entertaining. I mean, you know, I started watching it and just wanted to keep watching it. You know, that's a binge-worthy show. I think, you know, again, compared to last year, it was an improvement. There were definitely times last year when I was watching it going like, wow, this has really dropped off the cliff. But this time around, I think there was definitely moments of it that I enjoyed. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a buy. I'd give it a buy. But if I had to rank the seasons off the top of my head, this would be fourth out of five. So that would just – it's better than last year, but not as good as the first three seasons. So Fair enough. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you <laughs> approve of that. Um, stay tuned to the Oz Network. We're obviously very much in the midst of our Oscar reviews at the moment. Uh, today, of course, you would have seen that everything, everywhere, all at once dropped. Tomorrow, Top Gun! Hi, I'm Tom Cruise, and I'm back to be talked about on Top Gun Maverick, which have you seen yet? Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? No. See Top Gun Maverick. Seriously, it's amazing. It's such a good film. Um, so tune in for that, and the rest will come as well. Uh, women talking, that happened the other day. Yeah. And our Australian Survivor Hall of Fame review episode is also out as well. So plenty to come. And 24 returns on Monday, which I know Casey just can't stop listening to. She just uh, absolutely Fast. loves it. Exactly. Uh, my name is Ben and fuck them all. <laughs> my name is Casey. He's going so fucking slow. He doesn't need to break. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)